listening to the Testudo Times Podcast, the official podcast of SB Nation's Maryland Terrapins Colossus. But this is an equally big show because we've got quite a bit of football to get to. Alex Kirster is back with me recording this right after we recorded the basketball show, but Ryan Connors is also here. Ryan, what a week it's been for every bit of Maryland athletic news that could conceivably come out at the same time. Uh, yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, obviously, we just wrote the uh, couple stories on guys leaving right before we recorded this podcast, and uh, yeah, this is pretty much the best recruiting weekend since I've really been following Maryland sports. So, yeah, pretty exciting. It's amazing to think how all of the bad news comes with one sport and all of the good news comes with another. But there is one bit of news we didn't get a chance to talk about on this podcast, and that is Scott Schaefer surprisingly leaving his post as defensive coordinator on April Fool's Day, which I initially thought was a joke because it's April Fool's Day and you have to be skeptical of everything. But not only did that happen, DJ Durkin had a plan and hired somebody officially the next Tuesday. That's remarkable to me, Alex, and how quickly he moved to get in with his plan B and sign him up and have there be no dawdling or controversy or questions about what he was going to do. That is really something for a first-time, full-time head coach. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure that Durkin thought pretty hard about Andy Boo before uh, he hired Scott Schaefer. Um, just because they have that kind of relationship, clearly, where there's no way uh, it wouldn't have been a possibility. Uh, but I think when you have uh, the chance to hire someone like Scott Schaefer, who's just been a head coach and who you know also had some experience with Durkin, um, but really you know has some recruiting ability from his time as a head coach and kind of has that recognition from his name and who he is, you have to go with it. Um, unfortunately, that didn't work out, and I think uh, coaching is very much about relationships, and uh, Durkin has a good one with Boo, and so here we are. It's really, I think, not just that he hired somebody as quickly as he did, but that he hired somebody that he knew and got it done without us even having a chance to speculate on what he was going to do, because he has ready-made options on his staff. He could have been defensive coordinator for a season and waited till next year. He could have given it to Mike London, maybe even Pete Lembo in name. He didn't do that. He went out and hired somebody so quickly. I love that about a coach who shows he's willing to go to plan B and be decisive about it, Ryan. And that's a quality you need as a high-level football coach. And he showed it in a moment where he could have floundered a bit and, and really let in some doubt, and he didn't do that. And that is incredibly impressive. Again, he's still in his 30s. He's incredibly young. This is the first time he's ever been a full-time head coach anywhere. I mean, how impressed are you with the way he handled this entire situation? Uh, I mean, I guess fairly impressed. I think the biggest thing is that he clearly had this uh, already had a relationship with Boo, and he, uh, I mean, he was going to go with him, or Durkin said himself, if he didn't get Andy Boo, that he was probably going to wait until after spring practice. Uh, so I think it is mostly just the relationship to me. But, uh, I mean, it's obviously good that he was able to make his decision so quickly. I think he's, you know, every decision he's made, he's made confidently. Like the, uh, he said in his pre in his opening press conference that he was going to be pretty deliberate in hiring his head coaches or hiring his assistants, but he made most of his hires fairly quickly and uh, he did it again. So it's certainly, it's a good sign. It's an aspect of his personality that I love and I can't wait to see how it goes when he's put under pressure during games when it comes to 
the fall, and Maryland has a very easy schedule, as we have documented on Test Tudo times before. But normally with football, we're talking about bad recruiting news. We spent an entire podcast mourning Dwayne Haskins going to Ohio State. But guess what? Maryland found its quarterback from the DMV in a couple of months. It's amazing how that works. And DJ Durkin's prowess as a recruiter is something that is amazing to me how somebody could be so good at getting 17 or 18 year olds to commit to him in the way that he has they're all verbals and we must stress verbals are not signed on paper which means they can be changed alex but yeah Sam hill cam spence and ayinde la amazingly good recruiting class a group of players to start a recruiting class off of and a, what a great base with which to build durkin's first full recruiting class at maryland as you said this they're already ahead of lsu and some incredibly big-name blue-blood schools, and this is Maryland football we're talking about here. Yeah, I mean, they're not going to stay in front of LSU in Florida, or for that matter, Penn State, but what they oh, have done... Oh, come on. Uh, we like seeing it in front of Penn State for even a couple of days. That's great. Yeah, I mean, Maryland is... It would be really shocking for them to, in one year, um, get ahead of those schools who are just so much better at recruiting than they are. But by, uh, by the same token... Uh, I think it does show that they've leveled up a little bit. I mean, it shows that uh, they're they're in a position. You know, you you'll think back if you think back under Randy Edsel, it's not that he never got early commits. Um, you know, Dwayne Haskins and Keandre Jones both committed pretty early in the process. Um, so it's not that he didn't get um, good players early and and didn't have those players generate some excitement locally, uh, but he never was able to stack up a class that really had uh you know at, at any point even appeared that it would be so comprehensively good you know it, you know maryland right now um on both the offensive and defensive side of the ball has some very important um additions to its roster you know i end la and cam spence that's a high three star and a four star defensive tackle and linebacker there um and you know at the same time on offense now you obviously have your four-star quarterback in kasim hill uh, and i know they're working on a few other things Randy Edsel never managed to have uh, this early in the process more than one or two guys um, who seemed to be really locked in. And last year, they t- obviously turned out that they weren't. Um, so I think it's encouraging to see kind of on both sides of the ball um, and, and with players who are from different areas. Um, you know, who are, you know, obviously Cam Spence has local ties, but he's at the IMG Academy. Uh, a couple of the other guys, you know, Andy LA is local. Uh Andrew Park, a tight end, is from Virginia. Fofi Bazzi, the cornerback, is, lo- uh, is local. They've gotten guys from different places, um, and they've done a good job of, of kind of casting a wide net that we didn't always see under Randy Edsel, so it's been encouraging. I know that's kind of a long-winded answer. No, but it's a great answer, and it brings up a point I want to talk about. With We, we mentioned with DJ Dirk and his ties to the state of Florida and recruiting. We saw that insanely with the 2016 class, and that was basically created on a whim and on such quick notice because of the timing in which he was hired. And now he's going to the IMG Academy. I saw a report a couple of days ago that Georgia offered like 18 IMG Academy players at once. Tennessee offered 20 a few months ago. Yeah, Yeah. so this is, so the big boys, the Blue Bloods, the SECs, the ACCs, the big name schools go there to find players. And Maryland is competing in the same waters. Whether they're going to get all those players is, it's almost icing on the cake at this point. They won't. I mean, the thing is if you can get one or two of those players, uh, then you're pretty happy about it and you, you go home. But you're establishing connections at places that Randy Edsel would have never had a hope in hell of getting players in at. And that's incredibly impressive when you think about it. It also 
just the way that they're talking about DJ Durkin as a recruiter. This is a man who's one of the best recruiters in the country, and he's coaching at Maryland. And he's got a different sell to offer here, especially with the new facilities, and saying we can be part of something big and build something here. And Ryan, his sales pitch is working really well because, again, he's getting these kinds of players that Maryland would have never gotten under the previous regime to commit to Maryland. And it's very, very exciting to see the future of Maryland football be as bright as it has been in quite a long time because of what Edsel has done. And there hasn't even been a ball kicked yet. We haven't even played the spring game yet. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely bright. I think uh, one thing they have, I mean, they clearly, they have gotten good recruits before. I mean, you look at Haskins, you look at, I mean, any, they've gotten four and five stars Stephon in the last Diggs. couple of years. Stefan Diggs, of course, uh, Derwin Gray. But um, yeah, definitely, I think the biggest thing is, like Alex said, how comprehensive everything is. Um, I don't know, it's still, it's, it's still early. I'd say there's a long way to go, but uh I don't know. I think it's it's going to be exciting to see just who else who else commits because like obviously Edsel finally seemed to get some steam going on the whole like DMV movement, but uh, Durkin's doing a pretty good job on of like capitalizing capitalizing on that, and he's doing it in his first year as opposed to his fourth or fifth season. The only thing though that I think you know we talk about it like it's a positive um, or like it like it makes it more impressive. Uh, that he's done it before he's played it, you know, before he's coached the game. Um, it probably makes it easier, to be honest, that he hasn't coached the game <laughs> yet. Uh, let's consider Maryland's roster for this upcoming season. It's not going to be drastically different than last year's. Um, the offensive system will be different. You know, the defense will be a little bit different, and Durkin's a better defensive coach um, than Maryland has, has had probably ever, um, or certainly in a long time, if you consider that, that Ralph Friedgen was an offensive mind and Randy Edsel was – to the extent that he was anything, he was an offensive. I don't know what he was. He, he has an offensive coaching background, so you know you could you could say that uh, it's, you know this is the best defensively oriented coaching staff Maryland's had in a while. Um, but Maryland is going to lose a handful of games this year uh, to teams that it recruits against for talent. Um, they're playing at Penn State. They're probably I know people hate to hear this. They're probably going to lose that game. <laughs> Uh, well, they're going to play at, they, they well, and Penn State was terrible, but Penn State uh, well, Penn is probably State was also going terrible to be last year in Maryland. As yeah, yeah even but Penn State probably beat them. Penn State's going to be better this year um, I, because I, they I, have, I, have a, a living their head coach. Let me dream of it. They, here, have Alex, a, come on. they have an offensive coordinator, Joe Moorhead, with uh, with a pulse and and Saquon Barkley, and you know the offensive line at some point needs to be better. So Maryland's probably going to lose that game. Maryland goes to Michigan. They're going to get probably just walloped in that game. Um, they play Ohio State. They're going to get absolutely thrashed. They play Michigan State. They're going to probably get absolutely thrashed. Um, and so you're at a point where, you know, okay, that's four pretty likely losses, you know, right there. They play at Nebraska. They're probably going to lose that game. Suddenly, I mean, you know, despite the fact, and I wrote about this the other day, that Maryland's schedule overall for a Power 5 team is very easy. Um, that's because there are probably four or five games that they should be wins right off the bat. But there's also four or five games that should be pretty clear losses. So but that's not really Maryland, there's only a few games we're going to play where it could go, you know, where it's likely to go either way. Uh, and the result of that is that there are going to be some losses, and losses are not great when you're recruiting kids. You know, he had, Durkin hasn't lost a game yet, and that's a great thing. I think what's interesting about it, and I agree with you, but what he, he's not selling this year, and I don't think any Maryland fan expects this year to be amazing and he's going to set the world alight. 
But he can sell hope for the future. He can sell a new facility. He can sell these other kids on, look who's coming here. You could be part of this. And with the DMV to UMD movement, you could stay home. You could be like Stefan Diggs. You could be like these players and represent your state, your school. Have all of your family and friends come watch you every Saturday and compete in the Big Ten and try to knock off, be the first Maryland team to knock off Ohio State. Be the first Maryland team to beat Michigan State. Be the first Maryland team to really compete in the division against these blue blood teams. And I think that sales pitch as a builder attracts a certain kind of player. I mean, yeah, you're never going to get the best recruits because they're going to go to the Ohio States and the Michigan States and what have you. And I loved your tweet, Alex, that you said Maryland could have, in theory, a top 25 recruiting class and still be fifth in their division at it, which is amazing, all things considered. But even then, I'm still impressed with what he's done. And even if they lose a bunch this year, I don't think anybody's really going to hold that against Durkin because it's his first year, and he has to build this team up. He needs time to do that. And at a point, even with last year's group of players, he could change them. We don't know what's going to happen. And by next year, by 2017, the deck's going to be completely shuffled, and he's going to really have his guys in there mostly, and they won't be Edsel leftovers. Uh, I mean, I would say by 2017, he's still going to have a right. Like, there's still going to be some Edsel guys yeah. there. Also, I mean, it's easy to say that, sure, like, you know, Maryland seems great now, but if they start losing to Penn State, losing to all these other teams, it's going to be hard to convince, like, multiple kids to actually all come to Maryland. Because I think that sales pitch, yeah, like that, I mean, you know, you, you had me convinced right there. I think I would say, I want to go play football in Maryland, and you said it. But I'm if you're going to, like, folks. Yes. Convincing, the, uh, convincing a lot of recruits to do that would be tough, especially when the other sales pitch is, Hey, your team, the state from your team is very good. Go play on this team. And like, I mean, you cite Stefan Diggs as an example, but like, as like Alex like, loves to say, how much, uh, how much do you think Stefan Diggs' draft stock decreased by the fact that he went to Maryland? Like, I don't think there's it really a lot. the fact that he's one of the best young wide receivers in the NFL and talent no, it didn't, wins. But, sure, but he could still be making a lot more money right now. And uh, Allen Robinson playing with crappy Penn State. He's now one of the best receivers in football for my football team. Hey, it happens. Uh, yeah, but exactly. And he went to Penn State. Anyway, I think it's just it's it's a, it's an interesting pitch, but uh, it's not necessarily going to work for everyone. And it's I think it's for some people, it could probably be hard to believe, especially if they starting start when they probably still lose a good amount of games next year. Alex, but even in that sense. J.J. Durkin's an amazing recruiter. I didn't think he had much to recruit on this year, and he still got some very interesting prospects to commit to the Terps and got other commits and other guys who went to bigger schools thinking, well, maybe if it wasn't for that this was his first year, if this was another year, maybe I would have gone to Maryland. That's an interesting thing to say, even though Maryland for years under Randy Etzel, they just didn't have those kind of players even thinking about them. So to get uh, Alabama, eventual Alabama commit to go down to Ireland or Alabama in their thought horizon. Have the Terrapins in their thought horizon is already a step in the right direction. And yeah, losing definitely is going to hurt a part of that. But DJ Durkin is a good enough recruiter and a smart enough recruiter to be able to work around that. But Alex, I, I think, I guess to tie again a little bit of a bow on this discussion, there's a lot of optimism. This year might be tough. They do have a bit of an easy schedule. But DJ Durkin's start in College Park is going way better than the start of the last guy did. Not that he has a high bar to clear. but That's true. Yeah. Again, 
you can build up optimism. And I think, and Randy Edsel never got off to a good start in the minds of fans and boosters because of the negativity around the program, especially the first year. If DJ Durkin wins six games this year with a lot of positivity and what he's already shown to be able to do, the atmosphere around the program is going to be a lot more rosy. You're going to get those kind of donations. The boosters are going to be more active. And with this facility building, you can build a lot of momentum starting this season, even if you're getting housed by Penn State and housed by Ohio State. You can still find ways to build momentum around that, and the easy schedule this year is actually going to be kind of a benefit to them. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think so to, to a degree. Uh, it, it's a schedule that cuts both ways because there are some pretty easy wins on the schedule. Um, and I think, honestly, I think I probably, I probably should have, should have put, given the way that I think some people took it, could have put a better headline on the thing that I wrote about their schedule. Because uh, um, no you know, right? I guess, I guess what I mean to say, it, it's a very easy schedule for a team whose goal is to not go three and nine. You know, to, to be respectable um, <laughs> to and not to be win. A bad it, it's, it's ago. right. And that's it's, really it's what, a, that's it's the goal. A, it's a low floor, high ceiling kind of schedule. Um, and that could be, uh, you know, I, I think that that's something that kind of leaves you on a, a middle ground for recruiting where you can demonstrate progress, and that's a really important thing. You can't immediately go to all these five and, and, and four-star kids and tell them uh, that we're good now and it, it's time. But you can also tell them that you're clearly making progress. So it's something that works both against them and for them. Yeah, but next year you're playing Texas at Texas. That's yeah, different. and Texas is going to probably and be think, really good by then. And probably and think about, beat them and think about what happens with those four games you mentioned. Maryland's going into those games, two home and two road. They're playing with house money. You know, we always criticized Randy Edsel for not being willing to take any single risk. DJ Durkin could go out and throw out the single wing for all we care. Maryland's not going to be even remotely favored to win those games. If he wins one of them, he's immediately a hero. You know, and maybe that's – I like this schedule because the – Wins that they can get are wins that they probably should get and they probably will get with a good coaching staff and a decent group of players. And then the ones that they might lose, if you win one of them, you're immediately a hero and you've immediately changed the narrative around your program. And it changed it for Randy Edsel with a bit by beating Penn State. If DJ Durkin goes in in the first weekend of October and beats Penn State, what the season's already a success, maybe, unless he doesn't win like two other games. But when you think about those kind of games... This is why I'm thinking it's prime for him to succeed with the atmosphere already around the program. If you lose, it's like, ah, okay, it's a rebuilding year. It's fine. You don't have all of your talent in yet. But if you beat one of those programs, you're like, wow, we really might have something here. And that's a dynamic that Randy Edsel really never had. And he also had the conference switch going against him. But, Ryan, I mean, yeah, if he beats – let's say he beats Penn State. He's, he's playing with house money. And if he wins, the house is on his side. Uh – I don't know. I don't know like how much I agree with that. I think yeah, obviously it'll it'll be great if he beats Penn State, uh, which I'm, wouldn't be easy. And and sure, sure. No, I mean any of those teams, that's fine. But still, I don't know how much. Like one win will be good, but it still doesn't. I feel like it still doesn't. You know, make the season you know a total success or anything. And if you if a team uh, if a recruit sees you beat one team, that's good. But like if you still have a pretty bad season, then you know. Durkin looks great right now because, Alex, like, as Alex said, they haven't lost a game. But after coming off a rough first season where they win, say, say maybe they only win three or four games, then, you know, the recruiting pitch becomes a little bit tougher in year two. That's, of course, that's true. I don't disagree with that, but I think DJ Durkin and his team can win about six this season. But 
whatever that means. Maybe and they could. Being I, think, I think I think the likeliest number is probably five, five. but six six could happen too. Listen, and, and who knows? If things are really through the roof, then then maybe seven. I mean, like, and I don't think kids aren't stupid. Like these recruits aren't blind to the fact that Maryland's in a rebuilding year and they're not any of the teams ahead of them in the division. You know, they know that Maryland is rebuilding, and if they see six wins, five wins, they can say, yeah, we can build upon this, and I can make this program better. And there's a certain kind of kid that will want to come to a program like Maryland and say, I want to put this this place and this team on the map, and I have something, to do that. Something about Maryland that I think they, if you look at their schedule, they really could and, and should capitalize on. Um, their first three games are against three— like They're jokes. They're yeah, I mean, jokes. and all, all respect to Howard, which is an FCS team, and I'm sure they're going to try very hard, and I'm sure they're— <laughs> Players are all very nice and, and all of that, but they're an FCS team and they're scheduled. You know, Maryland is paying them more than three hundred grand the to, best to come to I've ever heard on this show and and, and roll over. Um, FIU and UCF are both just terrible. I mean, they're some of the worst teams in all of FBS. Uh, then Maryland has a bye week. Then Maryland plays Purdue, which is maybe going to be the worst power conference team in the country. Worst very possible. Yeah, no, I mean, almost definitely worse than Rutgers. And, and yeah, probably, you know, you'll see, you got to look around because there are some bad power conference teams, but Purdue is right up there uh, or right down there, I suppose. Um, one of the few teams that will definitely be worse than Maryland, you would think. Um, then they play Penn State. And I, like I said, I think they're going to lose that game. But maybe, who knows? It's at least, it's at least a tangentially, you know, it, it could be. It's a game where if you, if you really think about it in the right way, in the right light, you could think Maryland could have a chance. Uh, then they come home again, and they play Minnesota. I mean, they could pretty easily start the year 5-1. and one. Um, And then, don't get me wrong, I mean, things are going to get ugly after that when they play uh, Michigan State, Michigan, Ohio State, Nebraska in a period of like a month. Um, things will not be, be happy at that point. But, but they could start that. well. And when, we when they start well, when Maryland's 5-1, and one, um, you know, maybe grab a few, or you know, if Maryland, excuse me, that's very presumptuous. If Maryland can get to five and one or four and two or some good number like that with an easy schedule, uh, capitalize on that. Get a few kids to to verbally commit and then try to hang on to them. You know, that's easier than recruiting them from somewhere else. So um, it's it's a it's going to be very interesting to see how the actual on field product impacts the recruiting focus. I think we can leave this discussion at this. For all of my boundless optimism, because I need some boundless optimism talking about football for once, and not just find optimism for people who are now just starting to pay attention. Ahem. It sets up well for DJ It sets up well for Maryland, and I think that is something we could not have said about this football team and this program for quite some time. So I think that's good for this football discussion. There was a lot of news, and we got to it in 22 minutes, thereabouts. But the spring game is this upcoming Saturday, and I'm excited to look at some of these players and see what DJ Durkin has done with them, Alex. Uh, it'll be a nice little reprieve from the somewhat doldrums of the spring athletic season at Maryland. Yeah, well, actually, Ryan will be the one who will be there. Oh, Ryan I'll will be, be there. I'll be. Uh, I'll have extra oh, yeah. work at that time, so Ryan and uh, and Thomas Kinziora will be there. I will do quite see a good you job. then because I've got a lacrosse game to do immediately after that. So that will be quite right. fun. We're going to get the chance to see the transition. Maybe I'll even hop by for the spring game for a bit, which will be very entertaining. But it gives us a chance to see some of the players and see DJ Durkin in action for once. And again, Alex, you interviewed him. He seems like a very interesting man to talk to, and he seems very convincing when you talk to him. So who knows? And yeah, we'll... he's, he's, what, he's what you think you get. He seems uh, he's, he's the same guy talking to him uh, uh, you know, that, that you see uh, when we write about him or when you watch him. 
We interviewed him back on this podcast a couple weeks ago. It's still at the top of the podcast, please. Please go listen to it because it provides good insight on the, the personality of a man who's now displayed those attributes when it comes to getting a defensive coordinator after his other man left for whatever reasons, and hopefully he is okay and his family is okay, and getting in some pretty great recruits, which is something rare for this Maryland football program. But thank you both for doing this. I know, Alex, we've recorded two podcasts in a row, and you need to eat. I'm about to go watch the Mets get hammered. Or it's probably going to be awesome right here in my apartment, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to go continue to watch the Mets get hammered and edit these. Thank you, Ryan, for joining this as well. My good pleasure. To talk to you again. It's good for you all to listen. Hopefully you've enjoyed these two podcasts, all of the basketball and football news you want. We will talk about the non-reps eventually, I promise. But until then, go Terps.